I'm Amy Shields. I'm Mark Frost. Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. So our Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book, is currently out at bluerosemag.com. It is $19.99, so get your copy today as supplies are very limited and will be running out very soon. So if you haven't got your copy today, go to bluerosemag.com today. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. Yes, we have a very special show today, Ben. We have Tim Fugelai on, and he was so kind to reach out to us uh, through Facebook and email because he had some amazing audio clips from last yeah, year's Yeah, the interviews he did Twin with uh, the Peaks Twin Peaks Fest. Fest. Yeah. yeah. We had gone in 2017, and he got to go in 2018. Tim, how exciting was that to go to the Twin Peaks Fest in uh, 2018 there? It was really amazing, and I'll tell you, it was the 20th anniversary for me of the first festival I went to. I went back in 1998, oh, wow. so I'm actually sitting here looking at my Twin Peaks um, hat that I got there, and I got signatures from Grace Zabriskie was there, yeah. Walter Olkowitz was there, um, Don Davis, who was just a sweetheart. Oh, wow. Yeah, R.I.P. Don, because he was such a great guy. And, and Little Mike, I somewhere I've got video of Little Mike actually doing a rap for me. So, Isn't that something? Um, that was kind of a back before he He'd gone off the deep end a little bit. Yeah. He was pretty fun to hang out with. <laughs> Richard Bamer was there too and debuted a, um, a really bizarre, like, kind of semi autobiographical film he was making. Wow. Um, he He's showed us about 10 minutes of that kind of at the, you know, they do the movie night. That's a long standing tradition. And the movie that year was Firewalk with me, of course. And, yeah. um, and he debuted about 10 minutes of that. And, and I'll tell you what, there were a lot of people just kind of with their jaw on the floor at the end of it because it was very strange. But, but anyway, it was, it was cool. So it was nice to be, um, to be back. And uh, obviously, like I was telling you guys before the show here, um, Rob and Deanne Lindley, who run the show or run the festival, uh, told us that in 2018, they had more actual cast members than they had ever had before. It Isn't was seriously something? a huge group. Um, when they had a costume contest at the at the banquet, just the table that they needed just to get everybody lined up uh, was, I don't know, probably five tables long. It was just nuts. So yeah. it was really, really fun. That's cool. I, I mean, it was the year before, it was actually, we went the year before. But it was airing. It was airing. But there's yep. always this issue of the NDAs, like, okay, we're going to be here, but we have to be very careful not to say anything. So I bet yeah. a lot more people were comfortable going to the event the next year because then they could talk about it. A little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. So, so they were all really delighted to talk about it. Uh, I freaked several of them out because I, I've corrupted my daughter who was 15 at the time to <laughs> Twin Peaks. She's as big a fan as we are, has seen it multiple times, including the film. And so a few people like uh, the actress who plays Daria, it was funny, we were taking pictures with her and she looked at my daughter and said, so you're a Twin Peaks fan, huh? And she, and she said, yeah. And she said, you've seen all of Twin Peaks? And she was, you know, because obviously yeah. we're talking about some pretty R-rated content right. at this point. And, uh, and she said, yep, love it. Firewalk uh, with me, one of my favorite movies, right. and <laughs> so that was I was pretty fifteen fun. when I started. My, originally, when the show was on, I I was fifteen. So I mean, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'm I'm old. I was in college at the time, but uh, certainly got blown away by it, like we all did. But so, uh, who were yeah, some people it, that it you got to talk to? Like, so you've actually uh, interviewed some people that you're going to share on the show, and uh, mm-hmm. could you set that up? Absolutely. So um, you guys will remember this from being there. I'm sure you probably made it down to Olali State Park, yes, which yes. Is, uh, has several shooting locations. So the final day of the festival, there's a whole bunch of other fun stuff that happened at the festival. But um, the final day of the festival, they had the picnic there. So there is kind of a picnic ground there. And then you've got the Deer Meadow Sheriff's Department mm-hmm. building from Firewalk With Me, which is now a person's residence, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. They were not home when we were there, so oh. we did not actually get to go inside, although oh. I guess they're pretty cool about that yeah, from what I've heard. But then, so there's that, th- that's right there, and it's kind of, uh, there's a, a ravine that drops down into a nice little uh, river that mm-hmm. goes by. And a lot of people were going down there and just kind of wading around with their shoes off because it was, it was bizarrely hot. You know, mm-hmm. you think of the Pacific Northwest as being cloudy and cool and overcast and all that it was in the mid 90s and sunny the whole time we were there it was crazy but anyway so you there's the um the sheriff's department there and then there's a little path that leads into the forest right next door and along that path there is the place where bobby shoots mike and firewalk with me that's where they shot that Mm -hmm. and then a little further down is um jackrabbit palace from you know episode 16 i think it's 16 15 16 yeah. of the new series so um so they've got a lot of really cool shooting locations there um that you can kick around with and then on top of that um you know the firemen's there um the, all of the woodsmen were there uh kimmy robertson was there harry goes was there uh, hawks running around i mean it's just crazy so you're just <laughs> feeling like you're in the middle of twin peaks and yeah. so you know since i had kind of a captive audience i just kind of bounced around with my recorder and tried to grab people and um what i think we should listen to first uh is robert broski who is the Agatolite woodsman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a super nice guy. He actually, there's going to be a, a break in the audio because I was talking to him for a while and then said, thank you, put the recorder down, and we just kept talking, and so I just started recording again. Mm-hmm. So he's very generous. He's, he's the one who, if he's not being a woodsman, then he's usually playing Abraham Lincoln in something yeah. because he looks so much like him. But he tells some really cool stories here about working with Lynch and, uh, and getting up close and personal here. So let's take a listen to that. So how did you get this gig? How did how did you get uh, to be a woodsman? Um, how did it come about? Just... Interesting how, how it all came about. Um, I guess a mystery, you could say. Um, there was a, a audition notice for woodsman. It didn't go. It didn't say any more than that. And so I submitted for it. And then they said, "Okay, this was for background work, believe it or not." So I said, "Well, I'd be honored to do it anyway. It'd be fun." So. Um, I didn't even really have an audition. They just picked me. They said, okay, this is where you're going for 
um, for the shoot day. And so we showed up, me and Stuart and Christian and another gentleman, and I pulled up after they were already there. And they were kind of all standing there. We kind of met each other in because I knew them both from before. So we had, oh, hey, you're here. What's happening? We, and we all asked, do we know what we're doing? And uh, no, mm-hmm. we didn't know. It was still a mystery. And then they, we went through wardrobe. We went through uh, makeup. And we're all standing there, all black and uh, in our scrubby stuff. And uh, all standing there in line just waiting to see what next happens. And then a um, black car shows up like they are maybe shooting somewhere else and it parks kind of in front of us uh, ahead of us a little bit and it stops David gets out of one side Kyle gets out of the other side and Christian looks at it and he goes holy crap so we, we kind of had an idea and oh my gosh so up to that it was a mystery uh-huh. and even after that it was a mystery we still didn't know anything there was no uh, script anywhere mm-hmm. Uh, we were definitely just honored to be there. And when uh, he was ready to shoot our scene, then he would give us a little description beforehand on what he expected, what he was looking for. And uh, then we would shoot it and then would go on to the next. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was well, strange. Didn't have a lot of context. So were you just kind of asking yourself all the time, what in God's name are they going to do with this? Uh, well, definitely. We didn't know how it was all going to fit together. We knew, you know, what we looked like. We knew what we were dressed in and where we were at and kind of the idea of this and that and the other thing. So we just kind of went with that. Uh-huh. We went with our gut feeling of what we felt he was looking for and with his direction, and we just went with it. Uh-huh. You know, not really, I don't know if we really needed to know everything. I think he wanted to see what our first impressions were going to be right. on, on his direction and everything else and then just kind of go with that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so mm-hmm. we still didn't know. And then we didn't, then we didn't have any idea how he was going to tie them all together. Right. Yeah. So, um, do you see them as kind of following their own agenda? Do you see them as following someone else? What do you, how, how do you just... No, no, just the characters of, of the woodsmen. What do you see their general agenda as being? Interesting. Um, I had an idea when he was telling us uh, what he was looking for. Uh, my scene, the first day, was when we were out in the desert, and I came up to the car in the uh, 1950s. And we knew we weren't nice guys. We weren't the good humor man. We weren't going to hand him an ice cream. So we had an idea there. And then after he gave us the description of what was going on, what we, our, what we were doing, creeping up to the car and everything. So then we knew, well, okay, we're not really the best guys in the world. But there again, in my own mind, I was going over, well, I don't think we're zombies. Uh, that's been done and overdone. And I, we had shot the scene before where... Christian and I are kind of like falling out of the sky. So that kind of gave us a little idea that we're a little bit different than just your average, you know, like I said, the flesh-eating monster or whatever. And it seemed like we had an agenda. We had a purpose for being there. We weren't just going around bouncing into things and, you know, and just eating people and stuff like that. So it felt like, well, okay, we're determined for whatever we're doing. We're determined to get that done. There's a mission that we're doing. And uh, I think we kind of ran with that, saying that that's what it is. We don't know what it is, what that mission is, but that there, there's, there's a reason we're here. Uh, there's something we need to accomplish, so let's do it. Uh-huh. Okay. One more quick question. Can you tell me again the anecdote about David Lynch doing your makeup and the contest? <laughs> that was interesting. Um, that was probably the second 
the second day of shooting, which was like maybe a two or three weeks after my first day of shooting, uh, that I think it, to him it was, I think he had to do a couple of pickup shots to blend everything together. So we met out in the desert, kind of uh, out in the middle of nowhere, close to the evening. It was a small shoot. There were, normally there's 50 people behind the scenes that are watching you do whatever you're doing. This time there's maybe six, seven at the most. So it was just a small uh, crew. So that's why I made, I kind of thought to myself, okay, we're just going to do a few little simple things. And that's what it was. I was just walking to and from the camera or to and from the um, uh, radio station. And because it was such a small crew, um, I hadn't had makeup on yet. I had wardrobe, but I didn't have the makeup. I thought, okay, well, this is interesting. You know, who's going to pop out of a trailer or out of a bush somewhere and start doing that? And uh, all of a sudden, I can't remember if David did it or one of the assistants, put two cameras or two chairs out in the middle of this flat area, nothing else around. And David sits in one and he has me sit in the other one. And then he opens up his, the makeup boxes right there and he starts putting my makeup on. It was like, oh my gosh, what the heck's going on? And uh, there seemed to have been, from what I understood a little bit later, was that uh, they kind of had a bet that uh, David could put my makeup on faster than the makeup uh, crew could do it. So that was kind of what the bet was. They were timing him on how fast he could put black on my face and in my ears and my nose and everything else. So it was kind of funny. And he won, didn't he? I believe he did, yes. <laughs> but there again, you know, you got to give credit to the makeup crew. Uh, they did it a lot more detailed, you know, because they want to do it right. And, uh, and they definitely don't want to be called back. You know, like if we're on set and someone says, that makeup looks lousy or send them back to, you know, have something else filled in. Of course they don't want to have to be sent back. So they wanted to make sure they did a real good, thorough job, and they did. Oh, they definitely airbrushed us in our ears and in our nose and everything else. So they did a very good job. But uh, it was just fun that he wanted to re replicate that on his own and just see what he could do. And I was the only one there, so it, we had time to do stuff like that. Uh -huh. And it was neat. It was very personable. Uh, we weren't rushed per se, and so him and I, I don't really totally remember everything we talked about, but it was definitely pleasant that we're, obviously, you're talking to someone who's staring you in the face. Right. So it was, it was wonderful. It was nice. Yeah, so he said, uh, he just kept telling you to slow down. His direction to me, besides basically giving us the idea of what he wants, what he's looking for, you know, creep, creep around the car and come up to the window, was, you know, just come up at a, a not a hurried pace, but at, at a, a determined, but kind of a slow pace. And on delivering the lines, he had to say it four or five, six times, slow down. Okay, that was, you know, okay, that was great, because they always do that. Oh, that was great, but this time, slow down. So he finally did it probably four or five times until I finally realized that he wanted me to slow down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, because that's not, you know, that's not nowadays, you know, so. Right, that's very anti-modern pacing for things. Definitely. So it was just funny. And then, once, like I said, once the light bulb went on in my head, okay. So then everything else that I did, you know, a couple of days later, or I don't know, like we, you know, a month later or something that where we, I was back in, then I knew what he was looking for. So, mm -hmm. okay. So, yeah, it was fun. What was this direction like when you gave the this is the water, this is the well speech? That was interesting. That was on a, 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 in, in the sound stage. I don't remember actually which studio it was, so I can't give him credit. But, uh, yes, it was uh, 
there again, he'd give direction on, okay, you're going to walk beside the studio, walk in the front door, there's going to be a receptionist there. So he, we kind of went through it. And um, just about 15 minutes before we were to shoot, he hands me the script and he shows me the lines. He goes, this is what you're going to say. So I had about 10, 15 minutes to remember it. And I didn't know what it meant, so it was. It, it took a little. It was a, you know, even though it wasn't very many lines, it was still a little bit of a challenge. And of course, I messed it up a couple times. Uh, now I can understand a little bit more, and, and it kind of rolls out of my mouth. But at the time, I'm going, "What the heck is this?" So it was. It was interesting. But yes, it was only about 10, 15 minutes before, and then as soon as we did the scene, it, the, that script disappeared. So I had. I don't know where it's at now. But yes, there was very secretive. I never saw a script anywhere, even sitting around, laying around, nothing. No, mm -hmm. very top secret. <laughs> very cool. Well, thanks again. You're welcome. That was Robert. And um, one of the, uh, okay, I'm totally starstruck on this one. So it's going to sound, I, I didn't have that much time. I didn't want to take too much time. But um, Carl struck in uh, the fireman slash the giant, um, was one of the first people who got to the picnic. And so I settled right up to him and got the recorder in his face and asked him, you know, just about getting back into Twin Peaks when he heard about it coming back and, and got some interesting insight on the giant versus the fireman and, and uh, you know, whether those are two different entities or, uh, or not. And he's got some interesting things to say about that. So I'm just curious what you first thought when you were contacted by David Lynch and he said he wanted to start Twin Peaks again. Uh, yeah, well, there was something of a rumor uh, before. Um, so, well, elation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, I, I, I was a fan of Twin Peaks, well, and of David Lynch mm -hmm. from the start. So uh, it's, it's always great to be part of whatever he's doing. So, right, yeah. right. Hey, did you keep in touch with him over the years? Uh, no, no. Mm -hmm. um, just, just on the set. Right, right. Yeah. Were you surprised when he kind of envisioned a new character for you? Uh, no, I see it as the same character. So. Oh, do you? Yeah. Do you yeah, see yeah. it as kind of evolved? Uh, yeah, well, it's only Agent Cooper who calls me the giant, so maybe my real uh, function was the fireman all along. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Gotcha. And you see, do you see, what do you see the fireman's function as? Uh, well, uh, putting out big fires, in this case, the, the world going up in flames, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. That was Carl, and yes, it is just pronounced Carl. Um, so, one of the longest conversations I had, this was really cool, um, because George Griffith, who plays Ray, uh, was there. Um, so was Daria. I, sorry, I don't have her uh, name in front of me, but she was there too. But um, George, I looked down into that little stream and George just, he's walking around with his um, shoes off, you know, mm. hanging out. And I went down there and I said, hey, do you mind if I record you for a podcast? And he said, you know, I've been asked to do like a million of these. Yeah. And I, I usually say no, but sure, why not? Wow. Let's go. That's so awesome. I was like, score. And he really talked for a long time about um, even more so than what we've got. It's a good five minute interview here. But uh, he talked for a long time about working with Lynch, about running into him kind of over the years and the relationship they've had and and just how um, 
he told me that he had prepared. He was he was very nervous coming into this because he knew the magnitude of the project and uh, had been friends with Lynch for a while uh, prior to that. But this was kind of unexpected. And when he got the scenes and saw, you know, he's just working with Kyle McLaughlin in almost every scene. And he just said, this is what I worked 20 years to do. I've, I'm a professional actor and he's a filmmaker, too. Uh, he'll talk about that a little bit. But I'm just filling in on some audio I didn't capture where he said, you know, I just felt like I had prepared and prepared and prepared for this exact moment. And it was just magical to get there and do well. And David was really happy with his work and everything. So um, so here's George Griffith talking about his movie uh, from the head, which I haven't seen yet, but sounds amazing. And uh, is working with Kyle MacLachlan. So, I want to ask you first about From the Head. Okay. Yeah, so tell me about that project. Uh, From the Head is a feature that I shot a few years ago. I shot on film, on Super 16 and Morphic. Um, amazing DP, Martin Matiasek, from Czech Republic. And um, I wrote, directed, and played the lead in that. That's awesome. Yeah. Why'd you decide to go with film when everybody goes digital these days? Well, I had never made a feature before, and I wanted to shoot on film because film's been a huge part of my life and my art. I think my artistic fabric. You know, I grew up in a cinephile house and oh, nice. talked about film a lot. And um, and also, you know, as an actor, I feel like one of the reasons I felt strongly about it was because I feel like people were a little more reverent, honestly, with the way that they worked without having like a lot of disposable takes, which is something that I wasn't as interested in as exploring, you know uh -huh. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, the concept of it, if I'm correct, is a bathroom attendant at a strip club. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, it's a bathroom, and it's specifically in 1993. That was a real specific time in New York City, and I was a bathroom attendant during that time. Uh -huh. So, so autobiographical a little bit? Very, yeah, and I fact-checked it myself. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I think of it, it's a road movie. You know? Oh, okay. So it doesn't just stay in, in New York? No, it stays in the bathroom. I'm just saying okay. the road goes by him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very cool. You know, I mean, like, it never leaves the restroom. He, it stays with shoes in the bathroom, uh -huh. um, oh, nice. more or less. Uh, he peeks out the door a few times, but uh, it's a bathroom movie. Oh, nice. So this got the attention of David Lynch. Do you know how that happened? I do know how that happened. I actually, I interviewed David on April 1st of 2009 about meditation and yeah and um, and after the interview we went to lunch and I got invited to the lunch and I also got the seat next to David I made sure of that <laughs> and um, and whenever there was a natural law in the conversation you know I would ask him a question about movies and filmmaking and I was a huge fan and tried to temper that uh, but you know catching the big fish had just come out mm -hmm. and that had had a big effect on me also so we talked a lot about that, you know, and he had expressed a lot of things about filmmaking in that that I asked him about. And, you know, he was done with film at that time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, uh, you know, for that time. And um, I talked to him about that. I asked him a lot of things, and I said to him, I'm making a feature film, and it all takes place in the bathroom. He said, that sounds great. <laughs> and that was not the reaction I had had from the previous uh, 50 people I had mentioned that kind. Right. And so I said, well, when I finish it, I'll send it to you. And I did. And he watched it and liked it. Yeah, he watched it and he emailed. I got an email and it was, uh, he really liked it. And I was moved and amazed and overwhelmed. And I wrote back, can I tell people <laughs> that you liked it? And he said, you can do anything you want. And then, 
I think the timeline, and then years later, I just got it. I, I kept in touch with him via mail, snail mail. And uh, I wrote him letters over the years, and, uh, and then I just got a call for a project that was happening. I got an email. Mm-hmm. That was it. And now you're part of history here with Twin Peaks The Return. Did you have a lot of fun working with Kyle? Most of your scenes are with Kyle. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much everything I did was with Kyle. So when I saw that, I was like very, very excited, you know, because um, he's a artistic um, hero of mine. You know what I mean? I just loved him since I was a really young guy. Uh-huh. And uh, so meeting him and being with him and sharing those scenes with him, shooting him, uh, <laughs> calling him a fucker, calling him a fucker, uh-huh. uh, were just all amazing experiences. Uh-huh. Was there a lot of laughing on the set? When I watch those scenes, he's so incredibly just like a smile could never cross his face. You're also very serious too. It's serious business going on, but when when they'd say cut, were you guys cracking up or what was the general vibe like? Uh, I didn't have much cracking up. Yeah? No. Huh? Mm-mm. Um, no. Yeah? Not for me. I mean, I, maybe it was, I think we all had our own experience, but my... My stuff, the nature of my scenes with him, I didn't, I don't think they naturally led to us having, like, the giggles. Gotcha, okay. I I just know sometimes on, and I've read about this on Lynch sets, that they can be, even during the most intense times, that that they can be very kind of warm and fun places to be. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, Kyle was very kind to me, and I feel like he really embraced me immediately into the into the show and into the world, but, you know, we had kind of an adversarial dynamic that, at least from my end, uh, I didn't really want to get tied into how nice Kyle is. Sure. So I thought I would save that for later. Awesome. Well, thank you. That was uh, George, and I think we've got two clips left here. Um, I kind of snuck up on Ike the Spike, Kristoff. Um, <laughs> I believe it's pronounced Zajak Denek, who is a super nice guy. He took some really funny photos with my daughter, obviously stabbing her uh, at the dinner. And um, so I, I came up to him, and, and he was real cool about talking with me for a little bit. He just wanted to let me know what it was like working with Kyle again. You know, they've got that awesome scene where Dougie goes all ninja on him when he's trying to shoot him. Talked about that, talked about the casting, talked a little bit about the role in creating the part, but as you'll see, I I was kind of curious to get into Lynch's head a little bit about what he wanted to do with this character. And it really sounds like at the end of the day, uh, Christoph was given a lot of uh, leeway to just kind of do things his way. So, So that's what he did. So here's Christoph. Tell me how you came to get this gig. What was the process like? Um, the, uh, the process, uh, I kind of, I kind of just f- fell into it. I, I was contacted by casting, and um, uh, they wanted a video, and so I, I sent it in. I didn't know what the project was for, and um, and it kind of like materialized in front of me. It was it was pretty amazing. Right. Yeah. So, how long were you shooting for? It was a couple weeks, I believe. That I was on the show. Gotcha. And and how how was the character described to you? Um, I can't really talk about that. Uh, oh, really? It, it was. Um, I, I kind of showed up with my idea of it, and there was really no kind of changes. 
Mm -hmm. You just kind of went with it. You yeah. were just the killer, the guy with yeah. the the guy with the spike. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> what was it like the day that you shot with Kyle? Uh, it was surreal. It was amazing to to be on set with Kyle, and um, I loved it. He's the sweetest guy. Um, I felt super comfortable, and um, yeah, it was intense because we we had to fight it out, but uh, like you know, in a in a physical scene. But um, he's incredible. It, it, it was it, it was bliss, man. It was awesome. Awesome. And the the one last question, if you can just tell me a little bit about the the shoot on the big day where you go crazy in the office. Yeah, um, that was intense. I I I probably didn't know exactly what I was getting into, um, but it was. Uh, I, I kind of mentioned this at the dinner, like you know the being around the, the the crew and and the actors and stuff I felt really comfortable and I felt really safe to just go with what my gut um, you know uh, what my gut felt and and it was awesome it just felt really good uh -huh. was there any specific direction that Lynch was giving you at the time or was it just kind of go nuts um they, they wanted it to you know um, look as real as possible and I think that's you know that that's what I tried to tried to do Right on. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, absolutely. That was Christoph. And then the last clip that I have uh, to share here is with uh, none other than Sabrina Sutherland, who uh, unfortunately, again, I had a much more extensive conversation with her about season three that I did not record. Um, from that conversation, I got her to agree to be interviewed. She doesn't like to be interviewed. She doesn't like the sound of her voice. Um, she's very cute that way. She sounds great on the, you'll, you'll hear on the recording. She's, she's a joy to talk to. Um, but we had a really good long conversation and, and I just want to preface this clip by referring back to it because we were talking about, uh, as I'm sure you guys have observed before, that Twin Peaks Season 3 really feels like kind of a career summation and celebration for Lynch. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it just incorporates so many different elements from so many different um, pieces of his work dating back to Eraserhead. And she said, when I was kind of pointing out, it always stood out to me in the final episode when Coop is uh, down in Texas and he's in the restaurant and he shouts at, uh, you know, the, the cowboys who are harassing the waitress, leave her alone. And I was like, that's blue velvet. That's literally a direct, that's Jeffrey says that to Frank Booth right before he gets that's the tar right. beat out of him, you yeah, know, um, right. and I, I brought that up and she said, it's the same character to David. It, it oh really is. Gosh. We're talking about the same protagonist has been traveling this journey through all of his stories. And I thought that was really profound. And I've, I've kind of always felt that way as well. But just to have the producer of Twin Peaks, The Return, say mm -hmm. that added some real validity to it. So that was really cool. But I will just say um, she's amazing. She has got great energy. She is super accommodating with all the fans. And um, she said that she just loves working with Lynch. She doesn't say it here in the audio. So I'm kind of filling that gap in, too. Um, she said he's just hilarious. They laugh Aww. all the time. Aww. She said he's just a joy to work with and just really funny. I mean, I don't think uh, anyone would tell you he doesn't have a temper because he certainly does. Yeah. But that for the most part, he's just a really delightful guy to work with. And uh, and she loves working with him. And, and I know after the festival, she was going to be hard at work 
work. She alludes to this, um, but they were um, going through, we talk about this a little bit in the clip here, going through a lot of his old writing mm. to, um, you know, just kind of looking for a spark. So anyway, uh, I'll stop blathering and you guys can listen to uh, me blathering again, but with Sabrina Sutherland. Here you go. I wanted to ask about your executive producer title because a lot of times that's kind of a, a removed person from the production and I know you're a very hands-on producer of of the return is that pretty accurate can you talk a little bit about your role as producer and why you chose executive producer as compared to producer sure well in future films I would be considered the producer and I was the producer of Twin Peaks um, but because it's television they have different categories an executive producer is the title that's given to the people who um, usually are the creators of the show, the showrunner, uh, the people who handle uh, the overall production and are integral with the studio and making decisions and everything like that. So because it was a TV show, I was give, being I was able to be given the title of executive producer. Gotcha. Okay. And how did you feel when David told you he wanted you in the show? As an actor? Yes. Well, um, that came about because on our Sunday meetings, I don't know if you've seen on the Blu-ray we have behind the scenes, but... Um, I've seen some of them. Uh -huh. okay. So um, Scott Cameron, who's the first AD, and myself and David would meet pretty much every Sunday to review the next week's work. And this was when we'd hash out what we planned and if David was comfortable with it, what he wanted to see and things like that. And during one meeting, um, Scott, I, I said I wanted... We, he hadn't cast yet the guy who throws the bottle at Audrey Horn, or not at Audrey Horn, but during when she's dancing and throws the beer bottle at a guy. And yes. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, Scott Cameron, you know, Scott should do that. And Scott laughed and he says, yeah, well, you should do the floor. You should be Jackie, the floor attendant. You should be the floor attendant. And um, so David said, okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> so and that was that's, that? how, that's how I got it. It was really from Sky Cameron and David saying that was okay, that we should do that. But then he did add some few lines and stuff, so that was fun. Uh -huh. Nice. Was that your first acting? Um, yeah, like a professional professional, yeah. Uh -huh. oh. It was fun. Very cool. Well, you knocked it out of the park. You did great. Oh, thank you. I was going to ask you real quick about, you said you are you are working with David, kind of going through some of his writings. Mm -hmm. And I have to ask, is there ever any thought towards trying to resuscitate the Ronnie Rocket project? Um, there, there's not a thought about any particular project. We're just going through, uh, looking at different things that he's written and organizing them. I mean, some things are lyrics, some things are uh, ideas for art pieces. So it's just writing in general. So there's no, no intent for any one particular thing. It's just to see what's there and kind of categorizing everything into different piles. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I hear he's kind of a pack rat. So is there a lot to go through? Well, for writing, yes. I don't know that he's a pack rat, but he definitely does save his writing. Mm -hmm. So, And he's got a lot of things that haven't been um, published yet or done, but are brilliant. I mean, really great stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, I mean, Ronnie Rocket is an example of something that's never been produced. Uh, you know, and that's, so he has other writings along those lines or, you know, other things he's written that just haven't been out there yet. Gotcha. Okay. One last question. Um, could you tell me some of your favorite moments in Twin Peaks, the return in the, in the final product, either as a viewer or as a producer saying we really nailed it? I think the crew did an amazing job and the cast did an amazing job throughout the whole thing. So I, I you know, I don't know that I could pick one thing out that they really nailed it, but 
Uh, scenes I love, I love the French woman with um, Gordon Cole. I think that whole thing, with, and then with Albert's expression at the end, I mean, that's perfect for me. Uh-huh. I, and I love everything, um, obviously, with Albert, and, and the log lady is very poignant, so I am very moved and, and so happy we have those pieces. And I can just keep going on and on because pretty much every scene has some, you know, sentimentality attached to it. So Sure, I believe it. Well, thank you very much. So that was Sabrina. And like I said, you can kind of tell from listening to that. She's, uh, she's a real delight. So those are the clips that I got. I, I wish I would have gotten more, but I was really pleased that I did get the chance to I think that's to, uh, great. The I mean, I, did. I, I don't even know if I should say this, but like in the past, they haven't even allowed us to do like interviews and stuff like that. So like yeah. I, we were there and I think we were told not to do any interviews when we were there. So for you to get mm-hmm. any, even one interview is amazing. And you got all of these. So I, I think yeah. it's great, Tim, that you got this. And uh, Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun, I, I have to say. And, and we didn't go this year. I felt bad about it. My daughter is demanding that we go next year. Yeah. So yeah. I think we will be back. And hopefully you guys will be able to make it too. Um, but in any case, it's it's always you know it's always magical to go back up there. And and fortunately, I gotta I gotta give a quick shout out to Mary Reber, who uh, obviously is in a pretty pivotal scene there in the in yeah. the finale um, because she was very accommodating and uh, and we got to go over to the Palmer House and hang out and look oh, around. Yeah. Uh, they've they've kind of maintained one side of it that looks very much like what you know from the the series and the movies, and then on the other side they have a really badass TV room. That's painted red big yep. screen in there a bunch of twin peaks paraphernalia and stuff and and uh and stuff like that and then upstairs in laura's room they actually have a mannequin like a life-size uh, bob in, <laughs> in the closet i was gonna so ask you, you that I was gonna, yeah, Bob's poking out of there. Yeah, like to scare people. Yeah. We we had everybody go up the stairs, and I think I was one of the last people. I walked up there. I'm like, oh my god! And then he's like peeking out through the closet. Gotcha. Uh-huh. And gotcha. a yeah. few lucky people actually got to watch episode 12 in the house. Yeah. Oh, is that right? right. Oh, that's very cool. We're not going to say who, cool. but a few lucky people I, did. And the other lucky, the other <laughs> not lucky, us. The other lucky people though were at the uh, Roadhouse, Roadhouse, the exterior mm-hmm. of the Roadhouse. Yep. That we were there right. w- with Sabrina and watching episode twelve. So yeah, she a great she, experience. She brought it on her, on her computer and she played mm-hmm. it for everybody, and um, it was pretty awesome. There is a better experience though to be able to go to these fests where these are the actual locations where they filmed. I mean, that is just mm-hmm. a special thing. I and mean, then when there, and you have actors gone. there. And Tim, you've gone twice. I mean, that is incredibly, I mean, wow. I've gone... been twice. Yeah. Last year they didn't actually have the, the Kiana as part of the, the whole thing, but originally back in 98, that's where the opening reception was, was right there at the lodge. Wow. With, so with the, that was uh, with really the log, cool. the actual log. Yep. Mean, oh yeah. Yeah. Right there with the log. Yeah. We went ahead when we got there that we got in the day before the fest started. So we hopped a ferry and just went on over. It was re- it was hilarious because you guys have been there, I assume. So, you know, you take the ferry and then you drive over Polesbo Island and you go through all these kind of weaving roads. And we were just going to go ahead and, and, you know, sneak onto the property, basically, just see if see <laughs> if we could. Um, I guess they're pretty cool about people visiting. They like a little notice, but there was an right. event going on there. So this was a lovely, like, little Lynchian twist to the thing because we're driving through all these woods and we come down this hill, this narrow hill, and come around a bend and there's literally like this kid who's probably – 
I don't know, 15 in a full suit, just standing there waving us in. I mean, it was totally incongruous and totally perfect. He was just a parking guy, you know, it wasn't anything, it wasn't anything too crazy, but just a moment (laughs) we kind of looked at each other and we were like, we have arrived. He's waiting. They're waiting. They knew you were coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So we just pulled right in and pretended we were supposed to be there. Unfortunately, the water was pretty high. So the beach was not, um, much to speak of at that mm. point, but the log's still there, you know, so something. we grabbed our pictures and did that. It was, That's so it was cool. pretty cool. So Tim, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Tim, you've been involved with podcasting them softly. Uh, <laughs> and what else are you working on right now? Well, if you guys don't mind my using your uh, podcast to announce it, I'm really excited. I'm yeah. actually in the process of inking a deal to write a book on David Lynch wow. with a small uh, UK press called Sonic Bond. Um, they do a variety of kind of get to know musicians as well as filmmakers. So this will be for their on-screen series. And it's basically going to be a David Lynch kind of 101. Uh, it's going to go over a little bit of his biography and then just kind of break down project by project. Um, so I'm really excited. I've, I've written fairly extensively on him in the last few years, yeah. uh, some of it for 25 years later, some of it for podcasting them softly. And I feel like it's kind of a good next step for me to um, to really dive in and, and give a good summary. I know there's a lot of really good scholars scholarship on Lynch out there now. So, you know, I, I'm not going to say that this will be the definitive Lynch book, especially since he just released it earlier this year with Room to Dream. Yeah. But um, but I'm really excited to get started on that. And that is probably going to be available um, mid to late next year. So How that's what we're targeting that? right That now. is really something. Yeah. Well, I hope you'll come yeah. back on the show and talk when, when the book is getting closer to coming out, that you'll come back and talk more about it. I'd love to. I'd love to. That'd be great. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tim. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your interviews. This has been a really great. My pleasure. So like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can send us those emails at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com. And Tim, any social media you want to um, pump out there before we go? You know, you can always come and take a look at podcastingthemsoftly.com because there's a lot of great film writing up there. We've done a lot of good interviews. I've got a couple of really nice interviews, one with Gary Bullock, who played Sheriff Cable from uh, Firewalk with me, and then also uh, everybody's favorite sound engineer and guitarist, John Neff. We have an in-depth interview with him on all of his work with Lynch over that uh, decade that they were together and he was running their studio. So that can be found at podcastingthemsoftly.com Awesome, and everything will be in our show notes and we will see you guys in two weeks This really reminds me of a theater in uh, Los Angeles called The New Art where I once uh, stood in front of a group uh, a pack theater and, and talked a little bit about eraser pen. <laughs> but you've got a great theater here and it's <laughs> And he said, David, where are we going to shoot this thing? And I said, I'm not sure. 
And so we decided that we should think about it. And I said, so call me. And he said, okay. Before we go, uh, uh, 